what what are you staring at him for like what what's wrong with you actually <laughs> not madam nothing's wrong with adam what's wrong with you mm. i always just like wanted to say that to them um, wow it just didn't make sense to me at all yeah. because i knew adam as somebody that loved people well would go up and hug random people in the grocery store like all i knew of adam was gentleness and kindness and mm-hmm. it just i was like what do, what is your problem with yeah. somebody that is so kind what could you possibly be staring at hi guys welcome back to those who know my name is grace casper and today i am with my friend amanda redinger who used to be amanda strubel but she happened to meet her husband at a camp that we both worked at called Camp Barnabas. And Camp Barnabas is actually how we met. Um, and so, yeah, I'm talking to her today via Zoom. And she's in her little home in Columbia, Missouri right now. And so, Amanda, how you doing? I'm good. How are you, Grace? I'm doing well. I just got done with a role play today for pro sales. So that was interesting. Oh, there you go. Um, Amanda, do you want to explain to the audience kind of how we met at camp and what that looked like and how our friendship has kind of progressed? Yeah, so Grace and I met at camp in, was it 2017? Yeah, I think think. so. Yeah. And we met because I was the person in charge of picking people up from the airport and Grace hopped into my big old van and <laughs> I was asking really intentional questions to a bunch of very sleepy passengers, but Grace was the only one awake in there and <laughs> was answering all my questions. And then later that night, we just had a good conversation in what we call the dome at camp, which is just kind of like a basketball court like area. And from there we just really connected we got to live in the same cabin together that summer and hang out with some really awesome people with disabilities and people without disabilities as well and from there we just stayed connected which is kind of crazy because a lot of summer camp friendships can be very temporary you think you're going to be friends forever and then you aren't yeah but that has not been the case with me and grace we've just continued to stay in contact it's not super often but when we do connect we talk like we haven't had any time apart so yeah yeah I so agree I feel like every time we talk again it's just resume as to where we left off the last time so it's like let me catch you up in the past six months do you have two hours yes Yes, definitely but it's and I love Grace so much she was a bridesmaid in my wedding so there you go Woohoo! It was so much fun. It was so cool seeing her like marry this guy that she was like talking to me about in the cabin. And I don't know. And so to see how the relationship has progressed is really, really cool. But I asked Amanda today to do an interview with me um, because Amanda is actually a sibling to someone with a disability. And she has a brother named Adam. Um, And I just wanted her to talk about what that's been like growing up with a sibling with a disability and also how that has kind of translated into one of her biggest passions right now in her life, which is including people with disabilities into society and allowing them to have equal opportunities um, and kind of taking away that term ableism 
that I'm sure many of you have been hearing lately. Um, if you haven't, you should research it and look it up or Amanda can tell us more about it. But um, yeah, so Amanda, what has that, tell me like just what your life has been like having Adam in your life and also um, who is Adam and you know, how far are you apart as siblings age wise and what has that been like? Yeah, so Adam is around two and a half years younger than me. And so I was two and a half ish when he was born. And from what my mom has told me, I don't remember this because I was so young, but um, he was in the NICU for a while. And um, I was just so excited to see him. Um, And my parents were a little bit hesitant to take me to see him because in the NICU, you're hooked up to all these machines and IVs and all this stuff. And it's just kind of a little bit scary to see a little baby in that situation. And so they didn't take me to see him for a while, but when they did, I immediately like ran up to him and I held his hand and there's a picture of that that I have that I love. And Mm. immediately I was like, you're my little brother and I love you. And I don't think I really realized or understood much about disabilities until I was probably middle school age but um, Adam is my only sibling and so he you know is my peer growing up and so I just never really thought of him as different obviously he and I do have differences of course as do any siblings but yeah, I just always got to see how he loved others, how he um, served our family well, no matter what that looked like for him. Um, and Adam doesn't communicate verbally. He uses a communication device, um, which he didn't have until high school. So growing wow. up with him, our communication was like facial communication, you know, it got to where, you know, I just kind of knew what he was thinking, how he was feeling based on his face, which is kind of weird to think about looking back mm-hmm. because obviously that's not a normal, um, I don't know, not a lot of people have that kind of skill, I guess, which yeah. is just something I got to develop through hanging out with Adam. But, you know, we just, man, we had some good times together growing up. There's lots of home videos that we have. Oh, of, yeah. Tell us about that. Oh, yes. They're so good. Of We had this little gator, you know, like the little baby cars. Uh-huh. And I would have my arm around him and kind of hold him in the, um, in the seat so he didn't fall out. And we would ride around the yard for like hours and hours. <laughs> and I would sing to him. We would talk about flowers in our yard, all sorts of things. I would tell him random stories that I came up with in my head. Oh my gosh. So we had a blast and I don't know. I I mean, I would consider Adam for sure one of my best friends, Mm. of course. And so, you know, growing up like that, with that experience, I often did not relate to my peers at all Um, and peers would like my friends would come over to my house and they would ignore Adam or they would stare at him Mm -hmm. and 
I just was always so frustrated by that to a point where in high school, I didn't really have anyone over very often Mm -hmm. because I just did not want to deal with that. And so, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about ableism as this conversation goes on. But yeah, yeah, I just remember being aware of that early on and going to the store with him and having fam- whole families just stop what they were doing and stare at him. Mm. Um, and it would just make me so mad. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So growing up with Adam was a blast, but also did for sure open my eyes to a lot of things that are not great. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So when, when you were in those situations, Amanda, where, you know, people would stare at Adam or maybe have questions about Adam, like, did you feel like you were his defender in that moment? You know, I don't, I, I think to an extent, yeah, it's hard to know exactly what I was thinking back when I was, you know, in elementary school. And I think I just didn't really know why it made me so mad. Mm. It was just like, what, what are you staring at him for? Like, what, what's wrong with you? Actually, (laughs) not Adam. Nothing's wrong with Adam. What's wrong with you? Mm. I always just like wanted to say that to them. Um, Wow. It just didn't make sense to me at all. Because I knew Adam as somebody that loved people well, would go up and hug random people in the grocery store. Like all I knew of Adam was gentleness and kindness. And it just, I was like, what, what is your problem with somebody that is so kind? What could you possibly be staring at? So, yeah. So for, for my listeners who maybe have not had many encounters with people with disabilities and they just like don't even know where to begin with interacting with a peop- with a person with a disability. What would you say would be like, like what were you, what would you rather have happen at a grocery store when people are passing by? Would you just rather have them pass by just like any other human, or would you want them to come up and ask questions? Would you want them to come up and say hi to Adam? What would you feel like would be the best response for someone? Yeah, I think just passing someone by like you would anyone else. I, I, I mean, if you're somebody that does talk to people in the grocery store that you don't know, then by all means, talk to the individual. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'm not that kind of person. So I just, you know, which also is not necessarily the greatest thing. I wish I was <laughs> more extroverted in that way. But yeah, um, I think sometimes people just view people with disabilities as like oh they need help Mm. and so for example I was hanging out with um a group of my friends and one of my friends um uses a walker and we were in a restaurant that wasn't the most accessible and we were about to like walk up the stairs together and someone like from a table nearby like rushes over to help us get up the stairs um and I think that kind of thing is something that's well-meaning but at the same time it's like this individual is 21 years old and has been doing that their whole life Mm. and they don't need really you to come help them walk up the stairs which they've been dealing with in restaurants all over the city for their whole life 
you know, so I think there's a line of like asking yourself, am I talking to this person at the store because I want them to know that, you know, I'm someone that's quote unquote woke and, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. I think yep. there's a line. Yep. Yeah. You know, like the intention it, yeah. behind it. Like, are you doing it to show them that you're this really charitable, kind person or are you doing it because you genuinely care? Like, why are you picking out this brand of peanut butter? I want to know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think it depends on your personality. I would say just do what you would normally do with anyone else. Yeah. That's so good. So Amanda, like growing up with Adam, of course you guys are BFFs. You love him so much. You would do anything for him. But at the same time, um, Adam does require a lot of care and uh, from, from your mom and from you and from your dad. And so what, what did that kind of cause in you as a sibling who didn't require the same amount of care? Yeah. So growing up, I did a lot more caring for my sibling than I feel like other siblings would do. Um, So for example, I remember being like an 11 year old and taking my brother to the bathroom and getting him a new pull up or whatever. And, you know, doing those kinds of things that most siblings probably aren't doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, of course my parents had a lot of extra things that they needed to do, like preparing very specific food for him, all sorts of things like that. Um, that were just a lot of extra work. And of course that's worth it because we love Adam so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I think for a lot of siblings with um, dis- or siblings of people with disabilities, yeah, there's kind of the just thought maybe unconsciously that your needs aren't as important as your siblings. Mm. Um, which as I've grown up, I've just like kind of seen how that has impacted me. I I think I don't tend to really recognize my own like physical, emotional needs very well because that just kind of, I pushed that off growing up because it was about, you know, Adam is going through something hard right now. So that's what we need to focus on rather than how that impacts me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think I would change any of that. Um, But I do think that impacts people. And, you know, that's something that kind of not a lot of people can relate to. So kind of going into like social groups or spaces as an adult, I feel automatically like no one is going to understand what my life has been like Mm -hmm. um and you know that has been reinforced by people saying microaggressions about my brother to my face and not knowing that that is hurtful um and then I work actually in ministry to include people with disabilities and they all say microaggressions about my job and my brother. And then I just don't want to really talk to them again, which is partly me having a hard heart, but also, (laughs) you know, people aren't aware of 
ableism at all. Yeah. From what I've seen. Yeah. And so that's hard. It's hard to just interact with others um, because of my growing up experience. Totally. So, so for those of my listeners who don't know what ableism is, can you kind of explain like what were the microaggressions? What is ableism? And how, I mean, you've, you've kind of already explained how it's impacted your life and your brother's life, but um, yeah, just what is ableism? Yeah, so ableism is discrimination based on ability. Um, so for example, like an explicit example of that would be um, saying you can't be a part of this extracurricular activity because of your disability. So, for example, um, when I was in high school, there was a girl with Down syndrome that um, was one of my friends, and she wanted to take choir, and the choir director said no, (laughs) which that's, like, truly an explicit form of discrimination. Like, you can't do that. And the special education teacher was like, "Um, no, so that's breaking the law, and you can't do that. Yeah. Um, so that's a very explicit form of ableism, but a wow. more more implicit form of ableism would be, yeah, microaggressions, like what you were saying, which is just essentially little things you do or say that make somebody feel like you don't value them or you see them as less than. Mm-hmm. And there's a more specific definition for what microaggressions are, but um an example of that would be like um, someone who has a disability graduating from high school and saying, oh my gosh, you're so inspiring to me. Wow, that's amazing. Mm. When like maybe they don't even have like anything that would impair them from learning normally in school. Totally. Um, which, you know, that's just your, it's, it's coming from your assumptions or stereotypes about what a disability is totally Um, and so those things I think obviously explicit discrimination would be really really hurtful Mm. Um, but I think that doesn't occur as often as the implicit forms and those are the things that people recognize more often um, or no sorry those are the things people don't recognize they're doing right but don't create any sort of inclusive or welcoming space. Mm. Wow. So going back to kind of what you were saying earlier of how when Adam was going through something that was at the forefront of your family's priorities and Amanda's life, not Amanda's life, but Amanda's priorities came second. And so as being an adult now, who no longer lives with her brother, how have you navigated realizing that your needs are just as important? How have I realized that? Well, counseling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think around a year ago, um, or no, two years ago, my brother has Crohn's or Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. They haven't been able to decide that for some reason, Mm. but um, he 
had a huge flare-up that has continued until now. Um, but when that started, I felt a lot of pressure coming from myself, not coming from my family, to um, ha- like kind of put that weight on myself that they were struggling. Mm. Um, and I felt like if I wasn't upset about it, if I wasn't like distressed by it daily, then I wasn't like caring for them. Um, and so I was, I was not in the same city as them. I was two and a half hours away, but I kind of went into this like depression where I was having trouble getting up in the morning, was, had no motivation for school, um, didn't want to talk to anyone really. And I think that was kind of when I started realizing wow, I, whenever something's going on with my family, I, I don't know. It's like, I feel like I can't at all focus on my own needs Mm. because in my, in my psyche somewhere, it's like telling me if they're not doing well, you don't deserve to be doing well. Wow. Um, Which is, I don't really know exactly why, but that's how it was. And so I don't think I realized that until I had some counseling like Mm -hmm. around a year ago um but yeah it definitely impacts me a lot when they're not doing well which is hard because I'm such a helper and grew up as a helper right um, for my family and so when I can't help it's like I feel really helpless and like I'm not contributing um so yeah wow so how have you found like freedom and rest in Jesus, knowing that he doesn't need a helper and that your identity and his love from you doesn't come from how much you work towards spending time with him or how much you work towards telling people about him, but he just loves you as Amanda right now in this moment. How has that kind of impacted your life? And also, when do you feel like your relationship with Jesus became real? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think on your with your first point or your first question, um, I was actually thinking about that the other day. I feel like I still haven't fully realized that. Well, not realized that. I know that in my head, but I don't think that has hit my heart yet. Yeah, um, that's so real. Yeah, because I think I've kind of made my life about caring for people um, just in my career and in what my degree was. And so I think to an extent, I more understand that Jesus cares for others, especially those who are outcast or excluded um, or oppressed. Yeah, I get that for sure. And I care about that a lot, but I don't really see myself as being included in that. Mm. Um, So I guess I just don't really, I don't know if it's that I don't think about it, or maybe it's also that I don't care, like don't care to see that I need to realize that Mm. because I don't really focus on my own needs ever. Um, 
And then how did I come to like really know Jesus? I would say a lot of that has to do with Adam, honestly. Wow. Um, I actually went to Camp Barnabas as a kid with my brother. There's a program for siblings as well. And that was the first time anyone really asked me what I thought about having a sibling with a disability, how that made me feel. Mm. And then we kind of had a conversation too about what God thought about our sibling. And that was really, really impactful for me because I had never connected with anybody that had that experience. And I hadn't really realized how much it um, like made me who I was. Wow. So really, I I feel like. cares for Adam. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't see that others cared for Adam. Yes. So I don't know. It was just kind of hard for me to understand at that time. And I think really that week at camp was when I, like, I for sure, like, knew Jesus. And, Mm -hmm. you know, theologically, I didn't have much of an understanding of the gospel really until college but I did I did know Jesus I felt his presence in my life for sure wow Um, but yeah that's so cool Amanda wow I love that you just describe your experience in your life and with Adam so well like so articulate you're very articulate and you're good at knowing the root of why things occur and where you're at. And so I just want to thank you for your honesty and how you're not like, yeah, Jesus is just so great. And my life is just so awesome. And Adam is great. And, you know, people aren't always the best, but life is good because that's just not reality. And that's a huge theme of this podcast is being real about where we're at and also being real about like hope. And yes, Jesus is our hope and he is something that we can put our our confidence in. But it doesn't right. mean that everything is happy go lucky. Like even he suffered as the king of all kings. And so um I don't know, I'm yeah. just very inspired by your story, Amanda. And so yeah. Well, thanks, Grace. I think a lot of that comes through comes from God taking me through hard times where I feel super, super low. And like mm-hmm. really having to process through my life in order to get out of that mindset. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for sure, the Holy Spirit's work, not my own at all, but. Mm. That's so good. Is there anything else you feel like you would want to share with our audience about either um, people with disabilities or something that you want to say to siblings of people with disabilities? Any, like, last remarks before we close out? Hmm. That's a good question. I feel like there's so many things I could say. (laughs) Um, I mean, I would just want to emphasize that. Oh, oh, yes. I know what I want to emphasize. Um, The passage in, I believe, 1 Corinthians. I can't remember the chapter. But it talks about the body of Christ. Paul is writing about kind of how there's not a lot of unity in the body of Christ because the Jewish um, new Christians and the Gentile Christians 
are kind of not understanding one another and the Jewish Christians are like, well, you need to follow the, you know, mosaic law and whatever that we made up that really isn't essential to the gospel. And the, the Gentile Christians are like, what? What do you mean? That's not what the gospel is. And so Paul's writing to kind of both of those groups, well, mostly the Gentile, no, the Jewish Christians, saying like, the hand cannot say to the foot, I don't need you, etc. I'm sure a lot of your listeners know of that passage. But um, I think that obviously that's not written specifically about disabilities in the church but I think it can be definitely applied to that conversation and so you know seeing people with disabilities as essential to the functioning of the body of Christ I think is something that is really important and something I've learned a lot about recently um and mostly I've processed through that because my family was not able to go to church for a long time um, and my, my parents and my brother still don't attend a church because there's no services that accommodate them so I think that's really important to think about I think that this topic people view it as like oh if you're interested in caring for people with disabilities that's kind of like an extra special wow you're so great kind of thing yeah but people don't see it as like Oh, we're actually all called to care for all people. So that includes people with disabilities. Amen. So that's something that I think is really important. And I would love for more people to know about and care about. Um, So, you know, just observe what your church is doing. Think about it. um, Examine it. If they're not making any space for people with disabilities, that's, in my mind, not super biblical. Um, in the words of Amos Young, a really awesome author, that's fragmenting the body of Christ. Um, and you're just missing out on a lot of really important gifts yes. that typically abled people might not have. For yes. example, my brother, um, he, I said earlier, he would sometimes go up and hug people in grocery stores and there's been several times that he's gone up and hugged people and they told my mom afterwards that they were not in a good place at all and they like felt God's presence because Adam hugged them like really crazy things and like obviously that's a gift that Adam has that we well I don't have Right. We might not have because we're like in our own heads, thinking about ourselves, not really listening to the Holy Spirit being like, hey, that person needs like a hug. And Adam was, Adam was listening to that. And so he did it and he didn't care what people thought. And so I think that's just really important. And we kind of discount people that don't fit like social norms. Mm. Um Whereas, like, really, that's such a benefit because the rest of us are probably walking around not willing to say hi to people or talk to anybody. Oh, my AirPod fell out. (laughs) (laughs) Because we really care too much what other people think. So, wow, little little tangent there, but I just think it's really important for churches to be 
including people. Yes. In typical small groups, in typical worship services. Yes. Not a, not not segregated. a segregated community. Yes. yes. Unless the only purpose for that would be um, curriculum created specifically for people with intellectual disabilities. But I think that's the only, only reason you would ever, ever do that. Mm. But we need people in the body of Christ that are different from us. And that is what I have to say on that. So. So good. Oh my gosh. And I love too, Amanda, what you said about like, it's not like who has a passion for this? Like who wants to volunteer at this? It's like, no, if we're called to be, to be passionate about what the Lord is passionate for, that means inclusion. That means justice. Like with things going on with Black Lives Matter, like that means caring about that. That means caring for the poor, caring for the needy, like not just in specific movements, but for all of the things. And yes, your heart might be pulled towards like one more than the other, but that doesn't mean that you should only care about that one and then just leave the rest up to the other parts of the body. It's like, no, we are representing Jesus and he cared for all people, um, especially the outcasts. And so that's just beautiful what you said. Um, And yeah. And if like, I think people see the word justice or social justice as like a very political word but like they don't really realize that first of all that's a characteristic of God Mm. and second of all it's in the Bible constantly and Jesus came obviously to you know save us from our sinfulness and brokenness and to bring his kingdom onto earth like restoring creation and so if we're wanting to be a part of that mission we should be a part of that like change yeah we should make it a point to seek justice not like you know not cultural like popular social justice but like biblical justice mm-hmm. um whatever that looks like according to the bible so yeah, yeah definitely it's good amanda I also feel like I just want to share this and I'm, I know you've felt this too, but I feel like the most powerful worship sessions or corporate worship moments I've ever been in were at Camp Barnabas and in the dome looking around at all these people with different abilities worshiping mm-hmm. in their own way and people mm-hmm. who are nonverbal worshiping um with their utterances or worshiping with their hands or people in wheelchairs um worshiping with their hands or um just people closing their eyes or i mean there's just so or even like people running in circles around mm-hmm. like <laughs> there's just so many ways to worship god and i think we're missing out on the corporate worship experience by not including people with disabilities so I totally agree. Yeah. Wow. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for just sharing your story today with us and being honest about where you're at and um, really giving us like a heart check as Christ followers. If you're a follower of Jesus, this should be something that's on your heart and this should be something that you deeply um, care about and fight for. 
And so I challenge you to do some research. And what was the author you said, Amanda, that you admire? Amos, Amos Y-O-N-G, I think it's pronounced like young or young, something like that. Okay. Yeah, he has a couple books. They're not super easy to read. It's just he is a very smart guy. So he uses lots of very seminary-esque language. And <laughs> it's kind of hard to read. But the content is really, really good. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, if our followers want to follow you, can they or no? I can cut this part I out. I mean, too. they can, but I don't have a lot going on <laughs> social media. <laughs> or what? But, what's the uh, what's the page that you have? Is it Agape? Yeah, Agape Ministries Como. Can they um, follow can that? For sure. Yeah, you can for sure follow that. That's um, the ministry that I work for. Um, yeah. Super cool. They post about... Um, just like facts about ableism and events that they're doing as that ministry. And if you're wanting to do inclusion in your church, they're definitely someone that you should follow um, to see just how to do that in your own church. And so Agape Ministries Como is the name on Instagram. Correct? Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for being with us today. I love you a lot. And we're you, honored Grace. to hear your story.